freedom, man. That's what it's all about. Welcome. You are listening to What on Earth is Happening. This show will discuss the topics of human consciousness, mind control, natural law, the occult, and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of Earth. What on Earth is Happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome one and all. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website is whatonearthishappening.com, the network's website, oraclebroadcasting.com. Today is Sunday, March 11th, 2012. The show is live every Sunday from 5 to 7 p.m. East Coast time. And we have a great show lined up for you here today. We're going to be continuing to talk about solutions and what we can actually do to change the dynamic here on our world. And today we're going to be bringing on a very special guest, Michael Kelly, who's going to discuss solutions regarding the monetary system, this corrupt and fraudulent monetary system that holds such a stranglehold over our country and over the people of the world in general. And we're going to be talking about what we can do to counteract uh, this monstrosity of a system. And Mike is a person who is uh, definitely very special to me in my life because he is one of the people who really helped to wake me up many years back and started that uh, process going through his great uh, publications. And we'll be talking about um, some of the uh, uh, the things that Mike has done in the past as far as waking people up and um, uh, putting out a great publication called uh, Secrets from the Next Dimension, a newsletter that uh, was pretty big here in the Philadelphia area that uh, discussed, quite frankly, the topics that we talk about here on What on Earth is Happening. And uh, this really opened up my mind and helped to change my paradigm, change my worldview. And uh, it was definitely instrumental in shaping the person who I am today. So uh, we'll be talking with Michael Kelly uh, coming up in the next segment. I do have one quick event announcement. Uh, at the end of this month, uh, as always, the free documentary screening and discussion evening hosted by Truth, Freedom, Prosperity. This happens the last Wednesday of every month here in Philadelphia. Um, Wednesday, March 28th, 2012 at 7.15 p.m., Truth, Freedom, Prosperity will be meeting at Media Bureau Network. Media Bureau Studios is at 725 North 4th Street here in the Northern Liberties section of Philadelphia. And we don't have a film 
um, chosen yet for this month's screening. Uh, I'm still basically uh, looking uh, to try to decide what we should show. It's probably down between a few, a few films. Um, I've had a few suggestions from people, but if anybody is willing to make any good suggestions on uh, documentaries that we could screen at this month's screening, uh, feel free to send them along to me uh, via email. So that's coming up once again Wednesday, March 28th, 2012, 7.15 p.m. at Media Bureau. Media Bureau is at 4th and Brown here in Philadelphia. For more information about the documentary Screening Nights uh, hosted by Truth, Freedom, Prosperity, take a look at their website, which goes to their meetup.com group at truthfreedomprosperity.org. That's truthfreedomprosperity.org. And we will be right back after these words, ladies and gentlemen, with our special guest, Michael Kelly. Stick around. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Oracle Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website is whatonearthishappening.com. Today on the show, we're going to be speaking with our special guest, Mike Kelly. Michael Kelly has an extensive background in medicine, holding a BS from Pennsylvania State University with a degree in medical technology and a master's in cardiopulmonary perfusion from Ohio State University. In 1989, Mike was recruited to the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania as a staff perfusionist and became the clinical education coordinator for their school of perfusion. Michael completed hypnosis training from the American International Association and became an NLP, that's Neuro Linguistic Programming, Master Practitioner for Natural Healing. Michael was the co-owner, writer, and managing editor for Next Dimension Publications, which featured a monthly print newsletter called Secrets from the Next Dimension. Michael has been a guest on numerous radio and television shows over the years, discuss discussing with discussions ranging from government conspiracies to fraud to extraterrestrial phenomena. Me and Mike are going to be talking today about the monetary system and solutions for disentangling ourselves from it and obtaining uh, true freedom as a result of that uh, disengagement. So, Michael Kelly, welcome to What on Earth is Happening. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. Uh, Thanks for being here. It's so interesting. Uh, when I first started Secrets from the Next Dimension, one of the first things, I did a series of six issues on the banking system and the fraud and corruption involved especially in government and government's management or, or not management, but um, regulations of the banking system and how government is corrupting the system as much as the individuals in the industry. Absolutely. And uh, we can talk about that today, how every time the government tries to do something uh, uh, to so-called regulate the, uh, the uh, money supply or bring any kind of stability, they always end up causing further uh, instability through inflation, which is a hidden tax. And, um, you know, government's not the answer to this problem. A change in consciousness, of course, is the answer to it. But what I want to get from you is what do you see as the 
the major crux of the problem related to our monetary system and how what can we do as a people what can we do as individuals to help uh, to start to turn that tide and and to, you know uh, create a solution as far as this system is concerned wow that, that's a real tough one uh, to start off with um, what we can do is first we need to follow some the three basic principles um, First, don't be awed by a government or by a banking system. Um, if you work as an individual to involve yourself in these things, you're more likely to get the results you desire than by getting a large group of people being confrontational with either the government or the banks. And it just creates more tension and it's harder to get what you want. As you stated in the beginning of the show, uh, I used to write secrets from the next dimension and I was involved in a lot of political movements and I found that it's useless at this time. Um, my whole thing was, it just I saw no changes, positive changes occurring. The more you work with, the worse it got and there are no changes. So what I did do though is I found a way to find liberty by being an individual and not getting into the group think and group dynamics. And I found uh, myself, I feel much freer. Uh, there's still a lot of restrictions that are done by society, but uh, overall I don't get into the proselytizing of, of my thoughts and the way I believe things should be. But I'd like to let people know that you can, as an individual, take on the government, take on the banks, and and I don't think we can stop the the problems, but you can find freedom and happiness. It's like anything else. Uh, ultimately, we have to disengage our minds from the beast that is feeding on us first. We have to stop giving our cooperation over to it. It's about having uh, no respect for a system that treats people with uh, complete disregard, with uh, at, you know, just as a resource that it feeds off of. And uh, so many people still have this respect, you know, in their minds for you know money and government and things like that. And really, it, the process starts with realizing that these are parasitic entities, that these are parasitic uh, organizations that ultimately don't care about anything but their own continued survival and uh, whatever they have to do to uh, continue to feed on their their host as it will as it is and that host is us and we have to stop giving our consent over to it through um, the the attention that we focus onto it in our minds the disengagement of our minds from that corrupt system is really where it has to start and that's something that we could all do as an individual not as even a group or getting together with other people but as an individual that's where that process starts yeah that's right um, the three principles I find are first not to be awed the second is not to do a direct, direct confrontation and the third is do not organize these three same basic principles will bring you happiness. It will not stop inflationary process. It will not return to a commodities-based market, money market. Um, but you will find that you know you you said that it's a, a parasitic entity, and it really is. But when it comes right down to it, and you go into a government office or a, a banking office. You are dealing one-on-one -on -one with another individual, 
and if you can sort of just clear your mind of the whole thing that they put in front of us to make themselves appear to be awe-inspiring or confrontational, then you could just blank them out and focus on the single individual that you have to deal with as a human being, and you would be amazed at how much you can get done that is to your advantage. And once you have that advantage, other people can also do the same thing, and things seem to work out. As long as you're coming from a deep, moral, principled way, you're going to be fine. You, know, you tr go into that government office, and you treat them like a human being with common things or smiling, you know, speaking clearly and concisely. Not, if you do get angry, do not shout, you know, those kind of things. You know, it, it's sometimes difficult and sometimes a long process. But I've found that not working against the government or against the banks or against any organization, it's always dealing directly with the individual, um, especially knowing neuro-linguistic programming, it helps too because it makes it easier to deal with these people, even if their regulations say this must be, you can always work around the exceptions to the rules. Mike, we're coming up to our first break here. On the other side of the break, I want to talk a little bit about the newsletter that you used to publish. And you had a lot of information about there about the Federal Reserve System. It's something that originally woke me up to what the Federal Reserve System was. And I want to get into that and uh, get into some of the things uh, that you wanted to talk about regarding the Fed on the other side of this break. Stay with us, everyone. Our special guest today on What on Earth is Happening, Michael Kelly. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Cassio. Today on the show, we're talking about solutions to the monetary stranglehold over our nation and the world with our special guest, Michael Kelly. Mike, you wrote a phenomenal newsletter that I have many issues of here in my home uh, called Secrets from the Next Dimension. It was a, a great newsletter published here in the uh, in the 90s in the Philadelphia region. And uh, like I said, it helped wake me up to many things. And, you know, I, I was actually still involved in the dark occult and in Satanism at the time that I would get your newsletters. And it's one of the things that helped uh, me see the psychopathy that was involved in the organizations I was involved in and, and realize, wow, these are the people that he's talking about here. And, and I, I'm directly involved with people. People like this. So you you talked a lot about the Federal Reserve System in those newsletters, and th this was one of my first uh, exposures to to that system of uh, fractional reserve banking. Uh, I wanted you to give us your views on the Fed, and uh, you know talk about solutions, what we might be able to do to uh, release the stranglehold of this uh, monstrosity that it has over you know the uh, the uh, uh, monetary uh, uh, issuance uh, and and value here in the United States. Uh, first of all, sorry for Ron Paul. Um, <laughs> I don't see a, a quicker way out of the, my, the system. But the, the Federal Reserve is a real horrible entity. It is um, unconstitutional to have central banking in the United States. But what happened is uh, 
Woodrow Wilson wanted to inflate the money supply uh, because, you know, if you inflate the money supply, if you have a debt prior to that inflation at, let's say, $100, you inflate the currency after, you know, now you still owe $100 of that debt, even though the value of the dollar is now cut in half. So you're only paying half the amount that you actually did because it's, it's the contract is for $100, now it's only valued at 50 But that's basically what Woodrow Wilson wanted to do is inflate the money supply, hidden tax, because, you know, if you, let's say, if you put $100 in a savings account at 2% interest and the inflation rate is 4% at the end of your year and you go to get your money, yes, you get your $100 plus your 2%, but you've actually lost money because the inflation rate is 4%. Uh, this is the hidden way they steal money from you. But the, the Federal Reserve itself was set up uh, because the United States was broke on three occasions. They called upon J.C. Morgan to bail them out. He successfully did that on three occasions. He got sick of it and decided to covertly set up the Federal Reserve with the help of other high-money interests. Um, they, I, there was even an article in the New York Times at the time it happened when they went to Jekyll Island to set it up, uh, saying that there were these high-powered individuals, the train station going down south, and they wouldn't talk to the press, and it was really uh, quite the scandalous thing. But they were performing uh, quite an illegal or unconstitutional. Um, it was a pro unconstitutional project, and they set it up. They passed it into law, uh, forced by Morgan and, and Woodrow Wilson, and that was the beginning of the end of liberty in the United States. And just to be clear, these were private interests. This was not a governmental organization. These were private individuals, extremely wealthy, had come from you know uh, very old, you know, rich families that had uh, taken their their wealth basically over to you know to the United States and worked their influence in the United States from offshore. And uh, they, they this was a subversion of the United States uh, government systems through banking, through the banking institutions. Uh, they did this all covertly, uh, you know, in in uh, in secrecy. And these were all private individuals, not uh, members of government. Uh, just to clarify that. So, um, what, what do you think we could do to uh, help? mitigate or or negate in general this fractional reserve system because if there's never enough money in circulation since they control the amount that's in circulation and the interest rate to, to pay back all of the interest on the debt that's created, the current fractional reserve monetary system represents nothing but debt. It isn't a store of value. It isn't uh, value at all. It's debt. It is a debt-based system. Our, our monetary system represents nothing but debt. So what can we do to try to get out of that entire way of uh, the operation of money? You know, what can be done as far as transitioning ourselves away from this uh, fractional reserve banking system and uh, getting out of a debt-based monetary system in general? Well, first of all, fractional reserve banking is that if you put money in the bank, the bank is right now, last time I checked, the bank is only required to hold 4% of the total amount deposited in our bank. That's right. Uh, and that's checking and other business accounts. With savings accounts, they are required to keep zero amount in their bank. And the rest can be lent at interest. At interest. Right. Um, 
Now, if you go to the bank for a loan, and let's say you want $100,000, uh, they don't have to have $100,000 in their building to give you. All they have to, that money is created when you sign the debt note. That's when right. You sign the contract. There is no money there. That $40,000 or $100,000 did not exist until you signed that. And it only exists when you pay, as you pay it back to them with, their, with the interest. So you're not only working to put the money there, but you're also paying them the interest rate. So you're really screwed. Um, the, the whole thing uh, with, uh, is a matter of fiat money uh, as well as fractional reserve banking. And fiat money is just money that the government says each day that you're wanting to wake up and find out what the, the head of the Federal Reserve is, is calling a dollar. Right. Uh, if you check with the U.S. Treasury Department, a dollar is 1.17 or 1.14 ounces of silver. Um, or in gold, it's, I think it's $35 is one troy ounce of gold. But that no longer holds true because we don't have um, paper certificates anymore that can be redeemed for commodities. Right. It's just a debt note now. That's all it is. And, you know, they, the Federal Reserve will print a $1 bill or a $100 bill, and their cost is $0.04, cents, I think, at this time. Uh, however, the government, and that means our taxes, have to pay them the face value back. In, in that money that you know if they send uh, the government a hundred dollars they cost them four cents and we still pay them a hundred dollars in our labor to return that to them you know the, what that's what we owe them so as, um, as a result of that ultimately uh, since there's never ultimately enough in circulation to pay back all of that debt that's being continuously created uh, all real assets would eventually flow to the banks by default exactly. Uh, not only to the banks, but when the government takes loans um, to, you know, uh, pay off their debt or start a program, whatever they're borrowing the money for, they're borrowing from foreign entities. And the only thing that the government has to use as collateral is private property of the citizens of the, of the United States. Um, you know, they say the United States never defaulted on a debt, and that's not true. There was a time when the United States did default with Japan. Uh, I think it was in the late eight, 1980s there was a default. And the government uh, had to give up their collateral. The, a company purchased the debt from Japan, from the country of Japan, and they in exchange got Universal, I think, can't remember, it was Columbia or Universal Pictures. And that Sony became, that Sony was the one that got it in that fashion. They got it because they paid the United States debt and took that collateral. So, um, you know, these things do happen. And that's how the government secures their debt. With your, if you own a house, your house could be part of the collateral. So uh, that's the way that works. Um, fiat money is just a horrible thing because you, you don't know. Hello? Mike, we're coming up to another break. Hold that thought, and we'll pick it up right there on the other side. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening with our special guest, Michael Kelly. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be right back after these words. Mute up, Mike.
We're back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Today on the show, we're talking with special guest Michael Kelly about the monetary system and the kinds of solutions that we can employ in order to release ourselves from its uh, extreme stranglehold. So, Mike, you were uh, giving your thoughts about the Federal Reserve System and uh, fiat money and fractional reserve banking in general. What do you see as uh, one of the major solutions to this uh, problem? The quickest solution is a return to commodities-based money. Um, when you have gold, silver, oh, well, first of all, let's talk about commodities-based money in general. Uh, it started out in, like thousands of years ago. They would use barley or peppercorns as their money, but they found it deteriorates. I mean, you can plant some of this stuff again and grow more, but because it's a natural product that, uh, or a living product, it would deteriorate with age. So they got rid of that and went to salt. Salt, uh, that's where the word salary comes from. Salt used to be used as payment. Salt was very, very difficult to get. It was very limited supply. So people took salt because it was easy to carry and you could actually use it for your health purposes, for your food. Um, but salt would also change its weight depending on the humidity. So you, know, you, could, inf you could inflate your currency just with water. So that, or you could lose it all with too much water. So salt was eliminated, and they went to metallic substances. Gold, silver, and copper all want, were highly desirable for their uh, all sorts of artistic purposes and beautifying things, but they were very much valued by people. And they worked because they didn't change. Um, the governments would inflate some of the currency simply by scraping off the sides of the money. You find ancient coins or see them on TV. And you can see it's like a flat edge. It's usually because people were scraping off, the people were scraping off the money, or the government was, just to have you have less, but it would be still payment as whole. Now, you know, you'd have a whole one, whatever, one dollar coin, and you know, if they scratched off twenty-five percent of it, it was still a dollar. You know, but it, you weren't getting the same value in, in gold. Um, so, but really, a return to gold and silver is our quickest solution. Simply because the way coins are made now and minted um, and have been in the United States since the U.S. Mint started, you cannot change the size of the coin. Um, the government cannot change the size of the coin. The coin is a specific weight and measure. And that's our best way because how can they inflate the currency except put more in into circulation? A problem occurs using precious metals though because if You've, I'm sure you've, a lot of us have heard recently about the inspections that are desired at, at Fort Knox and that there's probably no gold there. Right. I personally think there is gold there, but I don't think we own it. <laughs> I believe the stories that FDR turned that over to European countries, especially Germany, after World War II, or during World War II, I'm sorry, um, after World War One, the Kaiser was being forced to pay reparations to a lot of nations in Europe for his crimes, and he didn't have the money in, in gold and silver, so he just ran the printing presses, inflated the currency worldwide because he's paying off all these nations, they're using it for trade, and that's what precipitated the stock market crash, stock market crash 
back in the 20s. Um, a lot of the people who here who saw that happen thought it was a wonderful thing for governments and big industry to be able to have that power. And that's why they slowly precipitated the, the use of just paper currency because they like the idea of being able to inflate currencies. And right now, today, you can see this happening with the United States doing it uh, to some extent. China's doing it to a vast extent. They owed so much money, and they just simply inflated their currency, paid off with the currency they had at a much lower rate and didn't have to spend as much money to pay off their debts. And now they're doing that against the United States because the monetary policy of the United States is pretty flimsy at best. Right. Um, and so they're, they're they, kind of left holding the bag of debt. Yeah, and you know, and the other thing, you know, that was what precipitated the war in Iraq. You know, if you look at the war, what ha really happened at the war in Iraq, um, you know, the United States made it out to be one that they were holding, or they supplied the terrorists that struck the World Trade Centers in the Pentagon in September of 2001, and then they said they were rich in uranium, or they were buying yellow cake material. What the real ha reason was is Saddam Hussein decided that he was no longer going to accept U.S. currency right. for oil exchanges. He was only going to accept the euro. And that's what precipitated the war, messing with our money. Sure. But the government here never once admitted to the fact that it was about money. Of course not. <laughs> you know? Know, we, we have to paint a... Uh patriotic fervor and a, a righteous cause before we send our troops off to to kill and die in, in, in a war of foreign aggression but it's always over money or oil or resources that's all it's ever over you know I, I like the idea of um, you know precious metals as at least a stopgap for um, the kind of out-of-control inflationary system that we have now you know at least it would it would prevent that kind of uh, um, uh, counterfeiting, government and, and Federal Reserve counterfeiting, but, you know, only as a stopgap. I mean, I, I do like the idea of resource-based money, as you call commodities-based money, because that's the only thing that's real. All we really need is food and energy. You know, th that's what money essentially really is. That's the only things that people really exchange that they truly need. I mean, you could, you know, take it out further and say, well, clothes, shelter from the elements, etc., things like that. But we need energy. You know, uh, money is this representational form of, of energy that isn't the real thing. It's a proxy for the real thing. You know, going, going to a commodities-based system, as you suggest, would at least get us onto the real things that we need to exchange among us so that we can have the energy that we re require to live for life. So uh, I, I do see that as, you know, a, a, a good solution. And uh, it is very similar to what people have termed a resource-based economy. Yeah, you know, uh, one thing, uh, when I used to do this all the time and talk about uh, the money supply, I carry around a 1908 $20 gold piece, and I always hold it up, let people see it. It's a full ounce of pure gold. Well, almost pure gold. I think it's 97% gold. Must be. And that's got to be worth, uh, what, about $1,700 today? Something around there. But wow. I, I show this back to when I was doing this, uh, ounce of gold was about $800. Mm -hmm. That same coin 
it has the same purchasing power, same purchasing as, it did, power. as it did in 1908 when That's it was right. minted. You right. know, if, uh, my, I would always say, do you, uh, how much is a suit of clothing? People would say, a good suit of clothing is about $600. And I'd hold up the coin. i said, this is a $20 gold piece. Would a tailor take this coin in exchange for that suit? And most people say, no way. But that's not true because of the value of that coin. Right. Now, you know, just the, the monetary value of the coin, not the, the how historic value of it being from 1909, but the monetary value is the same as it was then. My $1 silver, my $1 silver coin will pay, buy the same amount of goods today as it right. did in 1960. So, so, the, so you got to ask people then what has changed, and the answer is the value of the dollar, the purchasing power of the dollar has changed. It's been deflated. It's been been uh, uh, basically robbed of its purchasing power through this, in, you know, inflationary, this hidden inflationary tax. And if you listen to the politicians, they say there's practically no inflation. We're close to zero percent inflation. Wow! And and they're lying. They're lying. I mean, they don't go to the grocery store, you know? <laughs> it's like, come on, buy a box of cereal for $7? Come on, what is going on here? It's, it's the paper money. Um, they can just inflate it as they see fit. Um, you know, Ron Paul made the point to Bernanke this past week in a, in a session at Congress. I know there, there's someone who's near and dear to your heart, Ben Bernanke. <laughs> ben Bernanke, what a wonderful man. Um, he is such a coward. Uh, he was talking about the price of gasoline, and, and Ron Paul said, I think it's the money supply. And Bernanke, of course, says, no, it couldn't be. So Ron Paul did the same thing. I, he held up the silver dollar. He says, tell me, how come this dollar can buy me 15 gallons of gasoline today, <laughs> but your dollar can't? <laughs> There's no inflation. So I mean, it's... It, much harder for the government to manipulate, or the Federal Reserve to manipulate uh, uh, gold and silver. And you know, it's a real important, and you did make this point, but I have to reiterate the point that the Federal Reserve is not a government agency. That's right. Mike, hold that thought right there. We're up to another break, and we're going to give the call-in number on the other side so people can get in the queue to call to uh, ask some questions in the second hour. We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. You gotta put your true eyes on so you can realize what's really going on as that great allegorical film They Live, what that's all about. Um, we're talking with Michael Kelly here today on the show about solutions to the monetary problems, this, the, the monetary uh, system of corruption and debt that we're entangled in. And we're going to get back with Michael Kelly in a second. I want to give the call-in number so that people can uh, get in the queue to call in to ask questions uh, to Mike. The call-in number for the show is 866-841-1065. Once again, the call-in number 866-841-1065. Call in to join us. Be patient. Wait in the queue, and we will be taking your calls uh, starting in the second hour of the show today. So um, 
Before I get back to Mike, I just want to say thanks to Kevin Tilsner for being on the show last week. Did a great interview with me here on What on Earth is Happening. That's in the podcast section. Uh, I believe that was podcast number 97, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, I'm sorry, that was podcast number 98. I also posted a bunch of documents and video links up on the uh, podcast with that, so be sure to check out that information. And uh, let's get back to Michael and uh, talk about, uh, you were getting into the fact that the Federal Reserve, uh, re-emphasizing the fact that the Federal Reserve is not a government entity, it's a privately held uh, corporation, it's a privately held cartel, and uh, you were going to talk about who is really behind that system, who, who they answer to. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's really funny when you, you look, you know, anybody that just says, oh, you're crazy when you say the Federal Reserve is not a government agency. And a simple way to prove it is to tell them to find a telephone book. I know that's hard to do these days, but if you look under government, U.S. government, and find the Federal Reserve's phone number in there, I'll give you a million bucks. <laughs> because they're not there. They are a private corporation, as you said. They are a private cartel. And it's really funny because the Federal Reserve started as the banking system for the United States. And central banking seemed at first to work very well here. And everybody else adapted that, that system in Europe and a lot of countries in Asia adapted it. Now it's pretty much universal um, on our planet to have central banking for each nation. But an entity arose. And I don't really, I could never find out exactly when they started, but it's the central bank to the central banks. All the central banks answer to a company in Zurich, Switzerland, called the Bank of International Settlements. So when the Federal Reserve wants to inflate our money supply, they have to get it from these unknown entities in Zurich. Uh, it's really strange it's really tough to find out good information about them. They're so secretive. Um, when there are the, um, the Bilderberg meetings, a lot of people are assuming certain members that are there that are hard to find out their identity as they walk in are the people from Zurich and Davos in Switzerland who are controlling the worldwide, worldwide money supply. So uh, it's, it's really strange that our central bank, I mean, we answer, our government answers to the Fed, and the Fed controls the politics of our country, but who's controlling the politics of the Fed? Not Ben Bernanke. Uh-uh. It's whoever these people He's are. He's a good little puppet. He's a good little lapdog who does exactly what he's told, he's told by his owners. Uh, exactly right. And his owners... Are in Davos and in, in Zurich. And I, I can and guarantee you, if you really found those individuals, I can guarantee you, you're going to be finding dark occultists, uh, dark Luciferians, Satanists of all orders of magnitude. You're going to be finding what I call sorcerers. You know, these are people who have deep connections to the occult. And some of the groups that you uh, uh, helped me to become aware of through your, your uh, newsletter publication back in, in the 90s, um, some of those individuals, I'm, I'm telling you, the people that I worked with as a member of the Church of Satan in my past, um, they were connected with some of these other groups. They were connected with um, the Bohemian Club. They were connected with the Club of Rome. 
and other international think tanks. And I'm sure some of them went uh, up into institutions like uh, uh, what has become the Bank for International Settlements in the Modern World, uh, BIS. This is an institution people really need to look into and understand and understand that this is connected with other secret orders, secret society networks, and dark occult uh, organizations as well. Those, those people are definitely involved, and they're involved more than just in politics and in banking. They're involved in the Catholic Church. Um, not as much today as, as in the past during the, the reign of Pope Paul VI, but um, yes, um, you know, there is a battle in this world right now between who is going to control the world banking system. Um, there is a, uh, in the works a single world currency going on, uh, the World Bank, the IMF, the Federal Reserve, uh, some other groups, smaller groups uh, like NATO wants to be involved, but the biggest challenge is coming from the Vatican Bank. I do not want to see the Vatican Bank at all involved in, in anybody's monetary policy except their own. Um, the problems associated with the Vatican are first that they are a, a sovereign nation and no matter what happens there, you cannot investigate, only they can investigate. And if you try, if an investigation does begin because of their religious vows, if something goes wrong, if they're given an order, a vow, they take a vow to be obedient, and if they're given the order to be silent, they will be silent. So that is the probably, of all of them, that is the worst group, and it's probably the, the one organization that is best, uh, in a in best position to become the bankers of the world. Um, I don't want to see a world currency, I don't, certainly don't want the United Nations involved in it, but even worse than that is the Vatican. Uh, you know, you talk about the occultists that you were involved with, and they have invaded, they were in a big part of the Vatican during the reign of Paul VI. Um, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the stories, and, you know, the whole Vatican bank scandal that occurred back in the 70s and 80s. Sure, and how um, it was connected with some of the darker and clandestine lodges of Freemasonry, like Propaganda Due, or P2. Right, um, the, the P2 Lodge, uh, the Bank Ambrosiano, um, Roberto Calvi and uh, Bishop Marsankis. Um, Calvi, what wasn't he the one that they referred to as God's banker? He was God's banker, and you know uh, it's funny because when Pope John Paul I was elected, he only lived for thirty days, and they say he died of natural causes. I don't believe it. Uh, he was the head of another bank, which was taken over by the Vatican Bank by Bishop Marsankis, and he was kicked to the curb. Marsankis was furious at what happened uh, with all this, and, and when, uh, I can't remember John Paul I's name, but uh, when he became the Pope, there are a lot of speculations that because he spoke of the Lord our God, and both male and female, that that upset so many people that somebody would kill him for that. That seems really far-fetched to me. Um, but what does make sense is that he knew what was going on with uh, Bishop Paul Marsankis. He knew the scandals. He knew the covert operations of, of running drugs from Turkey to New York City, laundering the money through the, the Bank of Ambrosiano and the Vatican Bank in order to run guns to Poland. Um, that's the whole scandal in a nutshell. And Marsankis did not like the idea that the new pope was from a bank that he overtook and kicked to the curb. And 
John Paul I knew about it. He also knew about the Masonic and the uh, occultist goings-on within the Vatican that was headed by Paul VI. And uh, he was going to do away with it all. And Marcinkus was a person who was never known to be out of bed before noon, but somehow at 6 o'clock in the morning or 7 a.m. in the morning, he was walking through the, the courtyard under the, the, the papal apartments when John Paul I was found dead. I think he was poisoned. I can't prove it, but it seems to be that way. And it's all about money, all about corruption, and all about who's going to control everybody else. And that's bottom line what a lot of this is about. It's absolutely what it's about. And that, that is a leading theory that he was poisoned. Um, uh, he, he was uh, Albino Luciani, uh, okay. the Pope, uh, Pope uh, John Paul I. So, um, yeah, people should definitely look into these connections. They should definitely look into these occult connections to the banking system. And I'm really glad that the discussion went in this direction. And there's nobody better to talk about with, uh, uh, regarding those connections than Michael Kelly. So, Mike, stay with us. We're going to uh, get into uh, taking calls on the other side uh, uh, when we pick up in the second hour. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. We'll be right back after these words. We're back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Today on the show, our special guest, Michael Kelly. We're talking with him about the financial system, the corrupt financial system, and how we can begin to free ourselves from it. And, you know, one of the first parts of that process is really understanding who we're dealing with. The knowledge of who these individuals are, what their organizations are all about, the kinds of connections that they have to much darker organizations and institutions has to be understood. You know, this is essential knowledge. And uh, Mike wanted to wrap up um, uh, uh, discussing some of the occult connections to the banking system. In, in a moment, we'll do that. Just want to give the call-in number again real fast because uh, we already have a couple of callers waiting in, in the uh, queue. We're going to get to calls right after this short segment. Um, the number to call in to join us is 866-841-1065. Once again, 866-841-1065. Give us a call and join the discussion with Michael Kelly. Mike, uh, I'll let you uh, take this r rest of this short segment to finish up talking about uh, the some of the connections with uh, uh, banking and the dark occult. Yeah, um, Mark, it, it's absolutely crazy. You know, when, when you look at... Um, the people in high places, they do have their own clubs. You mentioned the Bohemian Club. Um, there's a, a story put out by Father Malachi Martin before he died. He wrote a book about Paul VI. And when, after his inauguration into the, or whatever it's called, when he became Pope, um, he had a black mass and it was, it was broadcast in Rome and someplace in South Carolina with a bunch of figures, big banking figures, big corporate figures involved. And at each church, they had, uh, in Rome, they had a little girl there who was given some Valium, and she had her puppy dog. They took the, the dog onto the altar at St. Peter's Basilica and killed the dog, and then they raped the, the little girl uh, multiple times, multiple men in there raped them. Among them was Paul VI, according to Father Malachi Martin. Um, 
some say it was just fiction, but you know, if you think about Paul the Sixth, the Pope, you know, you can can you tell me that you remember his funeral? I'm sure you can remember the funeral of the last Pope, but uh, and maybe some people can remember the funeral of John the Twenty Third, but nobody remembers the funeral of Pope Paul the Sixth. You know, he I was, would I would take uh, Martin's testimony almost at face value because while, you know, I'm no big fan of organized religion as people who listen to my show well know, um, if you listen to Malachi Martin and some of the interviews that he's done over the years, you can hear the genuineness in his voice and you can hear what a good human being he actually was. So I, I, I wouldn't have any problem uh, uh, believing if, if that came out of, of Malachi Martin's mouth that it was actually the, the case. He actually put it in writing, so it's in a, one of his books. I can't recall the title offhand, but um, as I mentioned, you know, uh, if you try try to get somebody to remember the funerals of the popes, you can remember a lot of them, but nobody remembers the funeral of Paul the Sixth. He was such an anti-pope um, that they stuffed his carcass in a wooden box and stuffed it in an unmarked grave wow. somewhere. Um, that's the the horror of this man. You know. You know, you know, we were talking in the break a little bit about some of the symbolism involved in some of these ritual murders that go on, you know, connected with these uh, dark institutions. And you know, when they when they uh, uh, you know possibly killed uh, Pope Paul, uh, John Paul the um, First, you know, we were talking about his name. It, it means white light. His name actually means white light in Italian, and they so awesome. killed or put out the white light. You know, Im imagine that. Uh, the symbolic overtones to that is are just incredible. It really is. Um, you know, and another thing we want to think about the elite corporate heads uh, and military, uh, military and, and public leaders, um, nobody did it better than the movie Eyes Wide Shut. It shows that even if you are a wealthy physician, you're not a member of the elite. That's right. And you well, cannot mess with Hold it right there, Mike. We'll pick it up on the other side, and we're going to get to your calls in the next segment. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back. I was born a shotgun in my hands Behind the gun I'll make my final stand Well, definitely a lot of these international bankers are certainly bad company, as the song says. Uh, very appropriate bumper music to come in uh, to this segment with. Uh, and uh, I just want to touch on before we go to the phones, uh, Mike, in the last segment, you talked about the film Eyes Wide Shut. That's a phenomenal allegorical movie. Uh, not even allegorical. It's really non-fictional. This is what really goes on in the world. Uh, and you know, just touch on that a little bit to help people to understand this is who the banking system really is. The, the super elite who's really running society and you know who's calling the shots behind all of our institutions. These are dark occultists and they're, they're keeping people silent through uh, brutally violent methods as are depicted in Eyes Wide Shut. Exactly, that's the same people who killed Roberto Calvi from the Vatican Bank scandal. Um, you know, uh, just you know, a point of interest for with me is is Roberto Calvi was found dead, hung under the Blackfriars Bridge in London. He was a Blackfriar in his Masonic order, <laughs> and they hung him under the bridge with his feet dangling in the waves of the banks of the river. 
and in his pockets were cash and some bricks. Now, that could have been a hit by somebody else and to make it look like a Masonic hit, but it was too well executed to me <laughs> to, to not have been a Masonic hit. And it, it was performed by uh, people in his lodge, which were other people of his same class and same stature in, in his banking world. It's not just the banking world, it's also the military industrial complex. Part of that complex is the pharmaceutical industry. So, you know, they do these things. You know, we've all heard stories of the antics at the Bohemian Grove. You know, the people that live in that village out there always have complaints of the prostitution, the drug use, the craziness that goes on at the time. And this is the world elites, you know, who get together to get drunk and and just do crazy things and you know some of which might actually include human sacrifice there are two reports that of of human sacrifice one of a child and one by of one of the people who work there one of the servers there um but because of who they are and the protections guaranteed them uh under the national security agency uh, even the state police were not permitted to investigate. Amazing. Um, you know, even if they're only doing some mock rituals out there, uh, you can see the intent behind them. And I've covered this before on shows. Uh, you can go back and check out the show that I did with uh, Neo on on uh, trauma-based mind control. I also did another show on um, uh, Satanism and, and what they're what they're ultimately all about. Uh, what their whole ideology is about, dark occultists. And I did a show that included um, uh, some images from Bohemian Grove to show you what the elites actually think of people. I think that was on the show that I did about how money is like a form of a religion and it's these people who are ultimately directing it. So um, you have to look into the occult connections behind money and no having that knowledge as part of your uh, arsenal is one of the solutions. Uh, to be uh, um, knowledgeable is to be armed against these individuals because we're dealing with evil, evil entities that really are at the highest ends of the at the highest positions in these institutions. So, Mike, uh, a great uh, segment on uh, the occult related with with money and banking institutions. W would you like to go to the phones? Sure, I'd love to talk. All right, to great. We have a couple of people on the line. Let's go to Steve in Wisconsin. You're live on What on Earth is Happening with our special guest, Michael Kelly. Welcome. Oh, hi, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, would you would you allow me to read a couple paragraphs from The End of All Evil by Jeremy Locke? Oh, absolutely. I think this and is an essential book that people should check out. I think Locke proposes a lot of uh, solutions, and uh, th this is uh, philosophical work that, pe that is required reading as far as I'm concerned. So go right ahead. I love this book, Mark, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart for mentioning it. I've read it and reread it I don't know how many times, but I, ha I do have a question that's really been burning in my mind for about a month that I wanted to ask you. Sure. So here we go. Chapter 2, Earth. There is a dark conspiracy which has clouded the minds of humanity throughout all ages. This conspiracy is evil incarnate and controls vast mountains of human emotions, work, thought, and speech. It has been responsible for the deaths of hundreds upon hundreds of millions and the slavery of nearly every being who has ever lived. If you accept the single principle that you, 
have infinite worth, then this book will give you the vision necessary to see the world as it truly is. You know once and for all that the dark conspiracy is not strong but weak, that evil is not growing but dying. And my question is this to the both of you. Is it dying? I think it is. I agree with Mr. Locke. I think, I think they are weak in certain respects. You know, they're very cunning, conniving, and whatnot. But are we seeing this whole thing about to collapse? And I know we have to take personal responsibility for sure. our own health, spirituality. We, we have to take action. I do agree with that. It's not like we can just sit back and do nothing. Right. But I think he's right in some sense. What do you think, guys? Steve, what a great question. Uh, Mike, I'll let you respond to that first. Do, do you think evil is in its death throes and therefore is struggling to uh, tighten its grip on the reins of power? No, I, I do not think evil is is dying out. I, I think they are strong as they've ever been. Um, and it's just, it, all you have to do is look around at what's going on uh, and things are not getting better. Things are still bad. Now, you know, there's, I guess it depends on what you mean by are they get, how are things getting better if they, there's this. But to me, I look at it as even though our standard of living today is higher, the evil is allowing that to happen and precipitating a lot of it. But they're poisoning the minds of everyone with uh, the, the stuff they put in our water supply. Uh, stuff, you know, there's more fluoride in fresh fruits and vegetables than in a glass of water now. <laughs> so, wow. you know, poisoning us with these things, evil still rampant. So, uh, is it a function of... It's always been this bad, but now there just, there's just enough information that has made its way into the populace's hands that they can see uh, w the, the depth of this evil all around us. And I think that is the case, that knowledge has come to a, a state of open, free flow to a point where we can see the nature of our situation, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're it doesn't necessarily mean that we're on the way out of that situation. It can mean that, but ultimately what is going to determine whether evil is going to increase its stranglehold or whether it is slowly losing its, its uh, domination, it's losing its grip, it's losing its control, is what kind of action will we see by the people in the know now? What matters will they take into their hands to actually correct these situations and to do something about what they now know, about what they can now see as a result of that light being shined on the state of affairs of the world. And that's ultimately what it's all about. So great question, Steve, in Wisconsin. Thanks for posing it to us. And uh, you have our basic take on that. So we'll be back on the other side of this next break with more of your calls. And we'll continue to talk with our guest, Mike Kelly. Stick around, everyone. We're back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Today, we're talking with special guest Mike, Michael Kelly on the monetary system, its connections with the occult, solutions, what we can do about this corrupt monetary system that has a stranglehold over our world. And uh, we were taking calls from 
our listeners. The call-in number to join us is 866-841-1065. And uh, let's continue to take some calls. Let's go to Richard in Washington State. You're live on What on Earth is Happening with our special guest, Michael Kelly. Welcome. Welcome to you. Uh, great show, Mark, as always. Uh, first, just a, a quick response to Steve and uh, on all the other Oracle hosts. I've made a challenge, and I challenge you because you responded to my last one. Sure. Read The Vegetarian Myth by Lear Keith, K-E-I-T-H. It deals on more than vegetarianism. It, it actually deals with the cause of where we are now. But in response to Michael, uh, I can only quite quote our founding fathers, and Thomas Jefferson said it best, paper is poverty. It is only the ghost of money and not money itself. Experience has proven to us that a dollar of silver disappears for every dollar of paper emitted. Well, the, the international bankers, and I'm sure uh, your, your guest uh, is aware of this, has turned us from a money system to a fractional reserve system, which is really a lean debt system. Right. And as long as they control that debt lean system, and there is no more money, or really money is not being uh, uh, brought to bear in the system, uh, we are in, in pretty much deep trouble. Absolutely, Richard. Uh, great points. Michael, your response to that? I agree 100%. Uh, uh, another thing, uh, problem besides just inflation, but uh, direct taxation of our earnings, um, Jefferson said, uh, wise and just government never takes from the mouth of labor the bread it has earned. And uh, it actually is unconstitutional to um, tax wages. So they get around that illegality by calling it an income tax. Right. States have a right to, to tax your wages, but the federal government does not. You know, it's it's really all about like rewarding people who aren't even creative. They're not really creating any true value for civilization, for people in general. They're making money off of money. You know, they're 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 making wealth, I guess you could say, off of something that really isn't isn't even valuable in its own right. They're just it's a manipulation game. It's a mind trick. It's it's what it's ultimately about. It's waving a magic wand and making things, you know, appear in people's mind, you know, and these people don't have any real creative capability. They don't make or invent any technology. They don't uh, create any new innovations that enhance our life or make it easier to deal with the natural world all around us. They ultimately do nothing. You know, this the real solution is stop believing in their in their magic because that's what it ultimately is. It's it's dark magic. Uh, it can't really be said any simpler. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I thank uh, Richard for his points. So let's move on to another caller and uh, let's go to Kevin from Minnesota. You're live on What on Earth is Happening with our special guest Michael Kelly. Welcome. Hello, gentlemen. Thank you very much, Mark and Mike. Um, sure. As a as a Anishinaabe descendant of the indigenous people of North America, it's definitely um, well worth the powers that be to continue the systematic genocide of the indigenous people because the native peoples of North America did not have a concept of ownership and a, a purpose of buying things when the Anishinaabe people were I know more of, since it's my ancestry, that they got their status or they received their status within the tribe by what they gave, not what they accumulated and Fantastic. what they held on to. And there's no way that the uh, 
powers that be in, in North America could have the indigenous people survive to, to spread that concept That's right. of non-ownership because it, it totally defeats the system that has been established. Uh, that's a phenomenal point, Kevin, and uh, th- this is the reason behind the uh, extermination of the true indigenous cultures that were here before we came in and conquered this land, you know. that We looked at it as this was our birthright or manifest destiny to take this entire continent, but we conquered it, ultimately. We took it from people that were already really living here, and they were living in harmony for the most part with the land and their their systems uh, of their their paradigm their way of seeing reality their worldview was in a much healthier state than the uh, the people who came over here from the uh, from the eastern hemisphere so uh, Michael your response to that uh, 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 regarding the reason that uh, the this uh, banking uh, uh, culture, this entire monetary culture, needs to keep down the influence of the uh, Native American cultures and their uh, their uh, philosophies in general. If they want to continue to do what they're doing, that's why they keep them impoverished as well. I mean, they, it's horrible what the government does to to these people. And, but it's not just a unique concept to the Native American population. It's a concept of the Celts. Uh, uh, the Franks started out that way until they. The Romans monetized them. So, you know, in history, you can find other cultures around the world that were very similar. But right. yeah, it's the, when the, the power elites get into power, you know, as right. you get the stronghold, and that, that's what's happening. It's happened we, to we, all of us. We could look into the, uh, the suppression of the Moorish legacy. We could look into the suppression of the indigenous Maya legacy by the Aztec Empire and those who came after them. You know, this is this is has been going on throughout the world because ultimately the indigenous people, the indigenous tribal cultures have a deep-rooted connection to the earth and the ways of the earth itself, the ways of creation itself, you know, and how that energy system flows and exists naturally and is abundant, is endlessly abundant and is always giving. And I love the idea that Kevin brought up that the the real chiefs in this uh, in indigenous system of which he was speaking were given their status as a result of their giving qualities, not of the, the, the taking qualities or even quote leadership qualities, but they were they, they were given their status as a result of how giving they were to the people around them. And that's ultimately what we all have to learn. That's the lesson we ultimately have to learn is that we need to get back to a consciousness of giving and sharing if we're really going to solve these problems. That's where the ultimate solution lies. And that's why they want to suppress any cultures that dealt with those notions on a very deep basis. They can't have that getting out into the uh, the mass cultural um, mindset of people because then people will stop, again, believing in their illusion, believing in their paradigm that they want to entrench, and things would rapidly uh, change, and it would change in their, in the controller's eyes, for the worse because they would certainly lose their influence and power. So, Michael, your response to that? Yeah, you know, some of what you say I agree with, um, but there's already a system in place that is corrupting this whole thing. And if you listen to the mantra, give back to the community, what did you give back to the community? It is so offensive to me as if I took something that I did not belong to me and I owe the community. Who is the community? The community is a group of individuals. Right. And... 
everybody has their own thoughts. I didn't take anything. I don't owe the community anything. So, you know, you can, you can have these things, but it only goes so far. My purpose is individual liberty and self-governance. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, they have corrupted this by forcing students in high school cannot graduate until they do so many hours right. of of community service. Oh, don't if, don't get me wrong. I'm for only I'm for voluntary sharing. Absolutely no compelled or compulsory taxation. I'm completely against all forms of it. You know, my whole my whole deal is contribute what you will contribute, what you freely have to give of yourself and want to give, not because you're compelled to do so. That's the level of consciousness I'm help, trying to help uh, steer people toward. Well, so, if that's the case, that's a great thing to do. Great. Michael, we'll pick this up on the other side with more of uh, our listeners' calls. We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. So we were taking people's calls uh, with our special guest, Mike Kelly, talking about the monetary system. And Mike, we do have yet another caller on the line. Here we go. Caller from the 214 area code. You're live on What on Earth is Happening with our guest, Michael Kelly. Welcome. Welcome to y'all. I um, I believe in a lot of these things, or I rather, I don't believe in a lot of these things. I don't believe in money as far as how other people are deifying it. There's the right. profit is the new religion of the world. Yes, and I don't believe in that anymore. But I have to have money in order to survive. This world is built upon this predication that you have to have money in order to make it in order to have a roof over your head and some kind of decent level of living. Right. So how do I get around this issue of the W-2 and all the other... Well, you're, you're bound, you're, we're all bound... We're all bound by other people's belief systems. See, while belief, you know, isn't going to make something that doesn't exist in nature suddenly come into existence... It is going to affect behavior of other individuals. So if other people believe that you have to live a certain way and you have to do a certain uh, thing to, to receive something else, okay? You know, in other words, I need these paper bills in order to receive food, okay? And that's their operating principles. Their behavior is based on those general principles. Um, it's going to bind other people's ways of being in the world. It's going to actually contribute to um, how we experience reality, even if we don't believe in the same thing they believe in. The problem is, of course, that almost the major the entire majority, almost the entire whole of humanity believes in this system of money. The percentage of people that don't believe in it is negligible as compared to the people who support it, uphold it, and continue to enforce its its behaviors. So ultimately, what, what we are the very tip of the spear uh, in putting forward the idea that this is all this is all, all utterly 
illusion. This is all something that doesn't serve who we are as a people. And we need to continue to help assist that change in mind so that people will stop taking those behaviors that chain us. That's really the ultimate solution. I'm in no way suggesting that you could just immediately abandon any uh, interactions with their monetary system right now today and probably have any kind of an effective existence because other people believe in this so strongly they'll let you starve in the street. That is their mentality, of course. So, you know, the, the, the answer really is, is to continue to put out the truth about what this system represents so that people stop believing in it and upholding it and holding it up. And therefore, they will stop binding our physical ability to live in a world on a planet without this ridiculous illusory system. Mike, your thought, your um, uh, response to the caller's thoughts? Uh, I'm just having a hard time uh, with the concept that I don't believe in money, it's like saying I don't believe in bread, wine, or cheese. Uh, money's there. Uh, you have to use it. They're, they're, right now, the way things are, as you said, it's, yeah, it's, it's a necessity. Um, we're, we're talking about in the sense that it really isn't the thing that you're exchanging for it. It's, it's not a part of nature. It's a construct that is invented by the mind of man to represent something else. It would be like saying, well, uh, marbles now represent batteries, okay? Marbles aren't batteries. You try to power a device with a marble. It isn't going to happen. A battery is a store of energy. A marble ah. is not. Money is a constructural and a constructural concept that exists in the mind that is used in place or by proxy or by way of a real thing. So that, that's what the user is basically talking about. And we're, we're, we understand fully that there is such a thing as actual a monetary system and, uh, you know, these forms of currency that people use as a mechanism of exchange. We're just saying that ultimately human beings don't really need that to actually live on the planet if people would simply stop believing in, in that co constructural concept. Um, yeah, you know, I still see money as probably the greatest invention, and it is an abstract concept, but it's still, to me, the greatest invention which is allowed for uh, the highest standard of living we, we enjoy today, um, you know, it, because it, it did allow for a diversity of the workforce, so you could be in the arts and not have to exchange your artwork for your food. Um, you know, you could be an engineer, you could be a scientist, you could uh, be a tailor, whatever, and it's, it was money that allowed for that. Right. It's now that we've attained all of these things that some people see, I think we're going against human nature as we are now, that there is still greed, and if everything is there for the taking simply because it's there, how are you going to stop the violent and greedy from right. taking all? That's the main concept I thought I was talking that about today. And that could only be done as a result of removing that impulse toward greed and the violence that it would spur on by uh, improving the conditions of the uh, environmental conditions in which we live such that that level of consciousness would not be prevalent because the, the conditions, it isn't like just the people are violent and greedy. 
conditions lead people to violent and greedy behaviors. And yes, then you could say, well, then if that persists long enough, that becomes like their nature. I, I argued last week when you called in that this was, is not the actual human nature, that it is the current human condition. And condition means environmental conditions that has created this way of being in the world that is greedy and violent. And I'm in no way disagreeing with you. Human beings have become greedy and violent animals. Uh, and, you know, if you just simply tried to remove this system overnight, yeah, they would become greedy and violent regarding the things that they require to live on a daily basis. It's the consciousness change that has to happen first. And when, when that consciousness change occurs, then we won't have any need for this kind of system of exchange because we will contribute freely and share freely among ourselves because we'll understand that that's the only way we're ultimately serving who we truly are. Um, now, how do we... Uh, here's, I, I guess is the, the crux of the situation. It's a chicken and egg scenario, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you know, now how do we go and enlighten the ruling elite who, because... Saddam Hussein said he wasn't going to take U.S. dollars. We'll send military troops in to kill millions of people. Ah, but that's the key. Yeah, it's these. They're these, just uh, telling people to do those things. Those if, people have to be willing to follow them. And again, the thing that's that's uh, their uh, impetus for doing that is often money, is getting that paycheck because they feel that that's the only thing that they can do to earn money. In many cases. No, I disagree. I, I think that it's not money. It's a false sense of nationalism and, and honor that doing these things and it's, it's a whole mind control thing. You know, we didn't get into mind control well, today. A, qu a question, how many people do you think if you pulled the paycheck from military and police would remain in those capacities? Yeah, their paycheck, you know, the military's paycheck is so low that there's a WIC office on every U.S. military base in the world. Right. Their paychecks are horrible, so they're not doing it for money. They're just, doing let's, let's just let's say you said, you, if you want to continue to do this, you have to do it pro bono, completely for free. How many people would stay in that capacity? Well, who could do their, their normal job that they are earning their living with by pulling their paycheck? Nobody could. Right. It doesn't matter if you're doing that or if you're, you're talking to a nurse in a hospital. Nurse in the hospital, you don't get paid. You have to go in there and take care of sick people all the time. So How is she going to put food on her table? What, so. I, would what I would argue is if, if someone is truly passionate about what they're doing, they would do it regardless of whether they're paid for it or not. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not paid for what I do. I do this, and I'm not paid for it. Yes, I receive Federal Reserve notes to, you know, debt notes to pay for food that I have to eat on a daily basis by doing other tasks. But this is my real passion, and I would do this, and and do do this, and will continue to do this, absolutely for receive with receiving absolutely nothing for it. I don't need anything back in ex in exchange or in return for speaking the truth because that's what I'm passionate about. But uh, to uh, bring up a, uh, another concept, Mike, uh, I want to uh, recommend this article that I had been telling you about. I told you a little bit about before we went on the air tonight that I posted on the website. It was an article by James Yeager called Non-Monetary Civilization. And the subtitle of this is called How We Can Evolve the Obsolescence of Money. 
And uh, James is another uh, individual I've had as a guest on What on Earth is Happening in the Past. I may be bringing him on in the future to talk about solutions to the monetary system. But, Mike, I want to read you a little bit of this and get your take on some of James's thoughts on the other side of the break. How does that sound? That sounds great. Great. All right, we'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Oracle Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Today on the show, we're talking with special guest Michael Kelly about the monetary system and solutions to uh, the stranglehold that it has over uh, ourselves, our situation, and our consciousness. So, um, Mike, I wanted to bring up the article from uh, last week's show, which was a, uh, a, a phenomenal uh, article that I found on James Yeager's website, uh, the Yeager Institute, uh, Yeager Research Institute. James Yeager's a filmmaker. He's from the Philadelphia area. He made the uh, great uh, documentary film on the Federal Reserve System uh, called Fiat Empire, which is absolutely a required uh, viewing material for anybody wanting to know about the nature of the uh, uh, Federal Reserve System. So um, he shared your uh, solutions uh, approach when it came to commodity-based money. He, he said as a stopgap in this article to uh, going to a system where we wouldn't need money at all, that a commodity money system would need to be established. The commodity could be anything uh, accepted by human participants. And uh, as production of these commodities went up, the purchasing power of the money the monetary units put into circulation to to uh, purchase these commodities would also incre uh, increase. So, in other words, you would create a, mon a money supply, n n unchanging money supply, it would not be able to be inflated or deflated. You would have a set amount of money in circulation, and then you would have you would ramp up production on your commodities, and then eventually you would need less and less and less money to purchase more and more and more goods so the the value of the money would tend toward um uh, would would tend toward uh uh zero you know the the money itself would would buy more and more i should say and the, the necessity for it would tend toward zero because you would need so little of it in order to buy so much of the commodity that that it would be almost meaningless at some future point it's it's really a great concept, and I think you can equate it to, if you just look at life in the United States just after World War II, uh, one man could hold a job, make about $15,000 a year, and have a family of five or six, and not only have his home in the city, but could also have a vacation home. How is that possible with one person working in a household of six or seven people? Um, it's because it works. 
Now, this article, um, it's on podcast number 98. I'll repost it again with this article for people to check out. Um, uh, definitely want to get your thoughts on it in private, Mike, uh, after you check it out and read it. But I thought it was uh, very enlightening, and I, I think uh, James has put uh, a good solution forward as a stopgap to slowly transition away from the kind of monetary system we have now to one where money would be obsoleted and we could interact without it. Uh, and I think that absolutely could work if people really read this article. It's called Non-Monetary Civilization, and the subtitle is How We Can Evolve the Obsolescence of Money. I've posted it on the site in, in the podcast section uh, right at the top under podcast 98, and I'll post it again with this podcast, which is 99, um, um, in a PDF format, and the PDF is only three pages long. It's just a short uh, essay on this topic, and uh, uh, James, again, I have to bring him on the show in the future to talk about this very concept and get his take on this uh, on this uh, essay that he wrote. So we have one more caller on the line. You want to take that, and then I'll let you give us your final thoughts. How's that sound, Mike? Sounds great. All right, great. Here we go. Caller, you're live on What on Earth is Happening from the 416 area code. Uh, you're on live with our special guest, Michael Kelly. Welcome. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking the call. I uh, just had a question about uh, the recent uh, putting out the pasture of uh, Muammar Gaddafi. Uh, I wonder what you think of the notion that one of the major reasons why they did that was that he was trying to create a uh, gold-based currency for the continent of Africa. And secondarily, what does it say about where we are in the world if we have to rely on people like Gaddafi or Ahmadinejad for uh, some kind of backup against these forces? Good question. Mike, your thoughts on that? Boy, you know, it makes perfect sense that NATO would go after Muammar Gaddafi because of the gold he was going to put in on it. I can't argue with that. I agree. But... How to fix this problem is is we have to we we have to stop these the ruling elite. How do we stop the ruling elite? This is difficult. I don't know that it's going to happen without a bloody revolution. I don't think they can be enlightened because they are so entrenched into into the the dark side. And um. Uh, you know, there's a lot of speculation that uh, the reason we went into Libya was because uh, he didn't want to put his people onto our type of fractional reserve uh, fiat currency system controlled by the central banks. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, that's that's true. Um, you know, that, that's one thing about him, though. But there was a lot, a lot of bad stuff. But no sure. matter how bad he was, it was none of our business to go there. And the President of the United States committed U.S. troops to there without consent of right. the Congress, sure. which is an unconstitutional act. It is a high crime. Yep. It is not a misdemeanor. And he should be impeached. He should also be impeached for the murder of U.S. citizens abroad who he considered terrorists. And they're saying they can kill a terrorist without due process. These are the problems. And you know what the bottom line with all this stuff it's to keep everyone under control That's right. and under their thumb. We, we prop up these dictators when it suits our purpose, and then once they go against the, 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 the real owners of this country, then they send uh, their, their lapdogs called the military in to clean up their problem. Mike, uh, one quick question from a Skype chatter is, uh, what do you think of the Liberty Dollars? And uh, uh, I'll let you take that question, and then you could uh, give us your closing thoughts. 
it was another that was another crime for the government to go in and take the Liberty Company's money. Um, they called the counterfeit money, but uh, how can you have a Federal Reserve note and say that the silver is counterfeit? It's it's just it's another crime by the federal government. As simple as that. And yeah. it's there just to eliminate competition to their standard, which they want everybody ho- hooked on and uh, having no no uh, recourse to. If if the Franklin Mint decides to put out in circulation currency, are they going to close down and the Franklin Mint possibly? But that's who prints that's who mints their their nickels and dimes. They're, they're stinking little steel coins that we use today. Mike, we have two minutes left. I'm going to give you the floor. Give us your closing thoughts. Give us what you think uh, people should uh, look into, uh, the the solutions that they should look toward, and uh, you know the floor is yours till the end of the show. Well, all right. First of all, if you want to learn about the ascent of money, it's a book by Nolf Ferguson. It's a great book. It describes money, the bubbles, uh, why they happen. Uh, doesn't give any solutions. Just gives the the facts on how money works in the real world. Uh, but I'd like to end with one of my favorite quotes by Spooner. He said, whoever desires liberty should understand these vital facts, that every man who puts money in the hands of a government puts into its hand a sword which will be used against him to extort more money from him and to keep him in subjection to its arbitrary will. Wow, wow, that is extraordinarily powerful because that is really what this is all about. You're you're uh putting the power behind the sword that's being ultimately used to take you down by feeding into this monetary system. And ultimately, I, I would still argue the main solution is to pull our mental energy back from this. They want us focused on this more than anything else. The main thing to pull is to pull our mental energy back from the monetary system and stop focusing on what we can do to make money. Start focusing on making the real money, which is the awakening of the mind and treating each other as the true value in this world rather than something that is uh, made at the, the waving of the wand of a black magician. Uh, Mark, you know, this has been a really fun experience. I haven't done this in a long time. I want to thank you very much for having me, and I think you just brought me back to the fight. Absolutely, Mike. Uh, again, you were one of the individuals who helped pull me out of my sleep, out of my deep trance. So I want to thank you eternally for that. And uh, you've been a great guest. That's all we have time for on this edition of What on Earth is Happening. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the show with Michael Kelly. I'll see you here next Sunday at 5 p.m. East Coast time. You've been listening to What on Earth is Happening here on the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network. Stick around. Chris Everhard's show is up next. Keep my cool, make them think I'm made of stone.